Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Room, help me welcome those watching online this morning, please. We decided to issue an invite to uh, all of our group leaders and team leaders and uh, those who lead the way and gather, grow, give, and go. We've been in this series, Heart and Soul, talking about the core values uh, of our church. And uh, it's just so cool and so encouraging looking out and seeing those of you who are able to make it today. And obviously next week we open the doors uh, to the general public. That means those of you watching right now. Um, and if you wonder, well, why didn't they invite me today? Maybe you need to become a leader. And uh, we can help you do that. But uh, I, I am so encouraged because there's just a different atmosphere when you put people in the room that share the same faith, uh, that have seen God work in some of the same ways, and uh, that you know they're just invested in this house. So thank you so much, leaders, for your commitment. Thank you for uh, all the Zoom calls, uh, for caring for those over the last several months, for staying connected to what God's been doing here in the church. Um, It's exciting. And uh, I think about, you know, things coming together in society. And that's the title of my sermon today is When It All Comes Together, When It All Comes Together. And I, I think it's a cool thing when, when a lot of things start to come together. Last night I was watching uh, a college football game. Clemson played last night, in case y'all didn't know that. Um, yeah, that's right, that's right. Since we're number one in winners, we decided we would lead the way. But um, I was watching the game and you know, I was at Wake Forest and I was thinking about all the dynamics that had to take place for that game to even happen. I was watching the referees that were in masks and some of the players that were in masks and even the commentators, some that were in masks, that fans weren't really in the building. Uh, the stadium had like cardboard cutouts put up and people were spaced out on, on the hill there at Wake Forest. I just thought, man, this, it's a lot that has to happen, but guess what? They made it happen. It came together. I think about school this past week. Any teachers in the house? Can we just thank our teachers real quick? Uh, And administration, holy cow. Uh, School has been crazy, right? Like all four of my kids are in school, but there's virtual academy, there's online. Some of y'all teachers are running hybrids, which is amazing. Uh, Teachers need a pay raise. Can I get an amen? Since the uh, government's handing out money, let's go ahead and up the teacher pay permanently, right? They deserve it. But um, I just commend like the districts putting all these plans together to where it's actually happening, right? I've been watching the NBA, seeing these guys in the bubble, right? And, and it's amazing after a while you watch the game, you don't even realize the fans are digital, right? Unless every now and then there's like a head that just pops up a lot larger or a dog, right? And you realize, oh, okay, people aren't actually there. They're playing basketball. They're making it work. And, and it's just crazy what we can do when we're willing to like accommodate and try to like make something happen. And church is no different. Church, you're always coming together. We're here. Like we're here. And, and we have masks when we're moving through the building. And A Kids has made adjustments to get kids here. And so next week, even as we open up, we're seeing everybody come together and make it happen. It's cool when it all comes together. There's a verse I want to read to you out of Romans chapter 8. And if you got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up and go there. Romans chapter eight, it's by far uh, my favorite 
chapter in the Bible. Uh, it starts with uh, Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It ends with nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's just an incredible chapter. In fact, if you get time, let me back up, you got time. This week, why don't you go read Romans 8. Read the whole thing start to finish. And uh, it's a great, great verse for those of us who've been walking with Jesus for a while and uh, maybe don't live perfect lives and, and maybe screw up from time to time and need a reminder that, uh, that God's not mad at us, that he doesn't love us based on our performance, but because of Jesus, we're justified. Uh, and we're called righteous. And uh, Paul, in Romans 8, when he's, when he's writing this passage, let me read the, the verse for you. You've heard this. In fact, uh, it's one of the most popular verses of all time. It was Google's most searched verse last year, right? You go, well, that's John 3:16. No, no, no. Romans 8:28 was searched at a higher rate on Google last year, and here it is. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I wanna preach just that one verse, and you go, well, don't take it out of context, Pastor, and I'm not gonna take it out of context. I'm very much gonna keep it in context. Paul, when he writes this particular verse, I want us to think about everything Paul had gone through in his life. Like Paul's writing to the Roman church. He'd actually never been to Rome. Like there, Paul's in Corinth right now, and he's not in prison when he writes this letter. Most of Paul's letters were written while he was in prison. Paul's hanging out in Corinth. Um, life is, is good. He's part of a, a church that he helped plant there in Corinth. But Rome is like, uh, it's about 650 miles away. So I want you to imagine we're in Charleston. Rome is New York, okay? So it's a long way away. And Paul constantly in the New Testament is like, I gotta get to Rome, I gotta get to Rome. See, he had heard that uh, some Christians started a church in this place called Rome, and it was starting to grow, and it was starting to thrive. Now the Romans were, the Roman government was a very oppressive government. So Paul writes to encourage the Romans, it's, that's what the whole book of Romans is about. It's an encouragement about their theology and about what they believe. So Paul writes this letter to them, and in Romans chapter eight, Paul essentially encourages them saying, look, there's a lot of stuff that could go in life. A lot of good, some bad, but in all of it, God works it together for good. I think about like us today, like the reminder or the encouragement maybe we need in the room. Some of y'all had a rough couple of months. Can I get amen? It's been tough. You realize you're not really that great of a parent with your kids at home all the time. Uh, some of y'all couples hadn't had a date night in about three months, right? Because where are you going to send your kids? Some of you hadn't had your favorite restaurant in quite a while. I read where uh, a restaurant in South Carolina is putting cardboard cutouts at some of the tables so the restaurant doesn't look quite as empty. And I, I saw the picture. Go look it up. I thought, you know, that's a little more freaky than just leaving the tables empty. You look across and you got some dummy sitting over there, right? Some of y'all are like, no, that was date night. I had my dummy across the table. That was, that's my spouse. Uh, I, I think about the fact that for work, there's been adjustments for many of us. School, there's been struggles. College, some of y'all graduated from college, can't get a job, right? Like the world has, has changed. And I think about Paul when he writes this. You know, his life, he had had a lot of uh, mountaintop experiences. This is a man that, before he met Jesus face to face, he murdered Christians. 
persecuted the church, went door to door, dragging out believers, putting them in prison, and then one day he meets Jesus, and Jesus changes his life and says, now I want to use you to advance my kingdom and commission him to share the gospel, and Paul just began to preach and to teach and to plant churches, and this man, I mean, he wrote over half the New Testament. Paul had a lot of good, but also went through some stuff, and he says to them, look, in all these things, God works it together for the good. It all comes together. Now, there's some things that we got to talk about because that promise oftentimes is held to out of context. See, there's three aspects to this promise I want us to remember, both now and in the months to come, because the truth is, especially for some of the leaders in the room, y'all, the next couple of months may be harder than the last five or six. And when I say hard, I mean, yes, there's been some health struggles represented in this room. I see the prayer requests that have come in. There's been some financial struggles that have come from this room. I know some of you have lost jobs. I know some of you online have lost jobs. There's been relational struggles from this room and those that are watching. But guys, there's gonna be some tough days ahead. I think about even my seat, like as a pastor in this church, like, and for, for those in ministry right now, we're, we're in the process of building back the church. And you go, it's Jesus' job to build the church. You're right, he uses us in that process. There's a lot of people that have scattered. Some of you know that, right? You're like, man, I used to have 16 people in my small group, now it's me and two others. Where'd they go? Y'all, the sheep have scattered. Tough conversations, tough days. Our world has forced us to to really have some tough dialogue over the last couple of months. Necessary, but difficult. See, I I think as, as we think about this promise, we have to remind ourselves there's some conditions on it. And the first one's this, and if you're taking notes, again, I would encourage you in these days, I encouraged our staff this past Tuesday, if you've never been a note taker, if you've never put notes in your Bible, if you've never kept a journal, start now. Start now, because I believe one day you'll get to tell your kids and your grandkids about the time you were part of God building his church in a special way. Post-pandemic in America, watch what Jesus does in and through his church. And we get to be a part of it. This will be a good time to start taking some notes, because this promise, the first thing is this. This promise is absolutely guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Now, we live in a world of uncertainty, amen? How many of y'all, like right now, if I took a picture of, of you, right, and I showed it to us a year ago, how would you explain the mask some of y'all are wearing? Think about it. But that is the weirdest thing, right? You went to church and wore a mask? Why? Well, because we were in the middle of a pandemic, right? There's uncertainty. We would have never thought that was gonna happen. I wonder uh, if I took a picture of Death Valley when they play the Citadel next week, right? And there's, there's 20,000 people instead of 95,000, right? Why? Because of uncertainty that's taking place. We live in a very uncertain world. There's a lot of things that it's just unpredictable. That's why for me, I like to hang on to things I can depend on, right? Like gravity. I know right now if I run full tilt and jump off this stage, what's gonna happen? I can't fly. I wanna be like Mike, but I can't fly, right? I'm gonna fall. That's just the law of nature. Think about the IRS. Guess what? Despite everything they wanna hand out, y'all, guess what? Tax season's coming. Next February, March, April, right? Only thing certain in life, death and taxes, right? 
there, there's, there's some certainties that we can hold on to, but I, I think one of the, the difficult things over the last six months, particularly back in March, April, was we started to realize there's some things that, that we hold on to and we anchor our lives to that maybe aren't as stable as we once thought. Like the fact that right now, some guys don't have a college football team playing. Yo, that's an idol that got smashed. The fact that right now, careers, some careers have been halted, that's an idol that got smashed. See, there, there's some idols that have been dealt with. Paul looks and says, look, there's some stuff that's gonna go down in life. This Roman church, you're under one of the most oppressive government regimes ever. Yes, you're in a wealthy city, you're in a huge city, and there's a lot of promise. But listen to this. There's some things that you can't control, and so when you can't control things, you gotta know that God's in control. You have to know that he's in control. And y'all, life gets a whole lot heavier when we forget that we are not the hands that should be holding it. Right, I think about the last six months, the times that, that I've felt this burden, I've felt this weight, at times even felt like, I would say, an air of depression, right? And it's like, those days, I forgot, hey, God's in control of this thing. This is not Brandon's responsibility. And, and I think the more that I can remind myself that God is in control, right, that it's he who works things together, not me who works things together, that's a promise. That's what I know promise in the midst of the the struggle that we go through whatever your difficulty is see I know in a room this size with leaders of this caliber some of y'all had difficulties you hadn't told anybody about just kept it to yourself struggle in the silence I'll just deal with it on my own I don't really know what to do with this I don't really know where to go with this no one's going to understand what I'm dealing with right and, and I think the enemy does that to us to remind us, look, that, that maybe we think our struggles can't be identified with by other people. It's God, God works things together for the good in the good times. Some of y'all had some amazing times. Let's be honest. COVID hadn't been terrible to everybody. Some of y'all got a stimulus check, right? And you're like, yeah, I needed that. You didn't really need that. He had a great vacation, right? COVID's been time for you to spend with family. I was laughing because we, we got some some people in the church coming out of COVID with a kid. <laughs> some of y'all are gonna see people from your small group like, hey, oh, we didn't even know that happened. Like, yeah, when it, you know, went into COVID, four months pregnant, came out with a child. It's like, yep, it's about right. So I, I, think, I think that there's been some good and there's been some celebrations through all of this too. And you go, well, yeah, like that's not, you know, Paul's talking about the bad things. I found that it's easier to figure about God in the good times than the bad times. Right, the bad times will force us into his presence. The good times, sometimes we think that we become God. And Paul says, look, whether it's bad or good, God works in all things, including even the unknown. And the truth is, we got some unknowns going on right now in life. Unknowns with school, unknowns with sports, unknowns with health, unknowns with finances, unknowns with church. God's still in control. And Paul says, despite everything, that promise it's guaranteed, we know, right? Because sometimes you gotta tell yourself in your soul, I know my God is working this together for good. Because everything around you doesn't look like it. And sometimes you just gotta go, I know this, this I know. The promise is guaranteed. Second, it's exclusive. The promise is exclusive. Listen, Paul says, and we know that for those who love God, 
for those who love God. Now I know, listen, listen, listen. I know it's not popular to stand up here and say that there's some things in this book, especially promises that are exclusive to anybody. God loves all people, but not all people love God. And there's a difference between loving God and believing God. Because the Bible says even the demons believe in God and shudder. But when you love God, that's when you can take hold of his promises. Paul says, look, we know that for, for those who love God, so there's a clause that's really important, right? That's not the plaque you're going to find in Cracker Barrel that everybody can walk in, grab, and put on their dining room wall. It's if you love God, then he's working things together for good. See, there's a difference when you love God because your affections shape your understanding. I think about when, when I was a kid, right? Like when I was a kid, great parents, sometimes my parents would do things that I absolutely did not understand, right? Like uh, it's Friday night, I'm in 11th grade, hey, I need you home at 11. Well, I gotta be home at 11, I just played a football game, I got time to shower, change, and you give me 30 minutes to hit Tasty Freeze. Like, why, why 11, why can't I be out late? This makes no sense, right? I think about times I was disciplined for things, and I'm like, look, man, the, 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 the sentence does not fit the crime. Like, it wasn't that bad and got punished, right? And I, I think about looking back, right, and now that I'm older and now that I have kids and I've just grown in all this wisdom, right, I'm like, man, my parents knew what they were doing. They disciplined me because they loved me. They punished me because they were shaping me. They loved me, right? So my affections of love back toward them would help me understand why it is they were doing what they were doing. If I just walked through life in hostility, right? A little rebellious teenager, it's like, man, my parents are stupid, they don't know what they're doing. Godly, I can't wait to run, run away from this house. I'm 16, I got no job, what am I gonna do, right? Like that, but so many people live that way. Even Christians live that way. Why is God allowing this to happen? Why did God let that happen? Why did God take that person's life? Why did God let me lose my job? Why did God let me get sick? Why did God let that relationship end? Why does this, why? when we start questioning him, we forget, hey, he's a God who loves us, and if we love him, then we understand he's working things together for our good. It shapes your understanding when your affections are in line with God. Now, if you walk through life and you, don't, you go, well, how do I know? How do I know if I love God, or how do I know if someone else loves God? But Jesus is really clear. If you love God, you'll keep his commands. Love God, you'll, you'll do what his word says to do. You'll follow Jesus. We complicate matters when Jesus said, look, I'm calling you to simplicity. Live like Jesus did. Live a holy life. Live a pure life. You can't just go through life oblivious to who God is and his love for you and then somehow run to a promise when things get difficult and think that applies to you. Paul says, look, for those who love God, big difference between loving him and just believing in him. The promise is exclusive. So when times get tough or when times are good, I press into the promise. Why? Because I love the God who made it to me. The promise is exclusive. Third thing is this. The promise covers it all. Right? Like, and we know that for those who love God, all things, somebody say all things. All things work together for good. 
Y'all, all things means all things. All good things, right? Because you're like, think about everything good in your life right now. By the way, this would be just a good practice when you wake up in the morning. Think about everything good in your life. You think about your spouse. You think about your kids. Think about your house. Think about your job. Think about God, how he's provided for you. Think about this church. Think about your friends. Think about everything God's done, like all the good things. God is working all that together for your good. All of it. Sports, I hear people say, oh, God ain't got nothing to do with sports. Listen, if it's good, he's working it together. If it's bad, he's working it together. I want you to think about everything bad that's happened to you. Some of y'all had some sicknesses, had illnesses, had struggles. You're in debt. You got difficulty. Guess what? God's working in all that. He's working it all together for your good. Can God work in a pandemic? Absolutely. Can he work during war? Absolutely. God can work in anything and all things, and the promise is there is nothing off limits. Well, what about your sin? Does God work in that too? Absolutely. And it's amazing how God will work even in your disobedience, even in our rebellion, to bring it together for our good. He will allow consequences to take place in our lives to bring us into alignment with who he wants us to be. That's how God works. He works together in all things. Oh, y'all thought when you became a Christian, you became perfect. Some of y'all became, became Christian, like, I don't sin anymore. Can we just stop real quick, y'all? We are a house for sinners, right? Like we're a hospital for sinners. There's nobody perfect here. And every single one of us needs the grace of God. The gospel is not just for lost people, it's for all people, because we all struggle. God works in the good, he works in the bad, he works in your sin, he works in your celebrations, he's bringing it all together for your good. And that is why when we hear testimonies, like we're gonna hear in just a moment, when we hear stories of what God's done in people's lives, so often you'll, you'll hear somebody that's given their life to Jesus and is getting baptized, and what do they say? What do they say? Listen, pay attention to what's being said. I didn't know what God, now I know what God was doing. Now I can see it. Hindsight's always 20-20. God was working then and he was bringing it together. I think about this story today. We're gonna celebrate, you're gonna see a video in just a moment of Ron Reed and his precious wife Jennifer and the role that their daughter Lexi played in praying over them as a couple and how he really utilized this church as a part of that process, how we got to be a part of what God's doing. And when I think about this story and what you're gonna hear, when you hear it all come together, what I want you to see is all the different pieces where God was working it together for good. Areas that I'm sure Ron, if he could have chosen, he probably wouldn't have had the scenario play out the way that it did, and he probably wouldn't have gone through the struggles that he had to go through, but God used all that, and he worked it all together for good. Because we know this, that God works all things together for good of those who love him and are called according to to his purpose. So as y'all watch this video today, this is what I want you to think about leaders, and this is why we got leaders in the room. I want you to be encouraged that for those of us who love, love God and those of you that are watching right now who love God, he is at work, he's always been at work, and he's never gonna stop working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Y'all check this out. Hi, my name is Ronald. This is my lovely wife, Jennifer. 
of 23 years of marriage. We have three kids um, and a grandson. <laughs> My wife works for Home Depot. I'm retired now due to the uh, heart condition. 23 years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, heart disease. It's called cardiomyopathy. So when he was diagnosed, we were actually living in Columbia, South Carolina. We had two little girls, they were five and three, and I was eight months pregnant, working full time. He was working full time. And, you know, he just wasn't feeling good Father's Day. And I brought the girls in to see him on his lunch break, and he wanted to leave work. And I'm like, no, you're staying at work. That's going to look horrible. Well, that night he couldn't sleep, he couldn't breathe. And um, a friend actually took him to the hospital so we didn't have to take the kids with us. And that's when he called me and said, there's two blood clots in my heart. And, it's not good news and so I went to the hospital and you know he thought he had a couple of years to live he kept asking the doctors you know how long do I have to live I could no longer provide for my family because I was gonna be sick or couldn't work um, I actually checked myself into um, a hospital to treat depression to, to try to deal I, with the diagnosis yeah because I was trying to go back to work and they were like, no, no, sir, you'll never work another day in your life. That's what the doctor told me that day. I was like, what? It was actually a blessing in disguise for our kids to have a stay-at-home parent, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was. I was on an LVAD. Um, they installed an LVAD in me two years ago, two and a half years ago, and um, which is a pump that basically pumps the blood through my heart and uh, keeps me alive, of course. I no longer have a pulse or a heartbeat. So the pump went bad. And so they had to find me a heart. My name is Lexi Reed. I am an A-Kids team leader and I go to the Somerville campus and my parents are Ronald and Jennifer Reed. So when I started coming to Awaken, I got connected um, with a group, um, actually two groups. I didn't share at first and then I started seeing like all these praises and prayers and prayers being answered and so I opened up about my dad. So I would send in a prayer request every Sunday um, just saying, um, praying for my mom and dad to get closer to God um, and prayers for my dad to receive the heart transplant and not only that but prayers for the donor's family, um, for the gift of life. So they bumped him up on the list to, a, yeah, basically the top of the list to wait for a heart. They found me a heart, and it turned out the heart was bad. And they had to crack open my chest and clean the pump out for two days. Then they found me a heart two days later and um, found this heart that I have now. Um, there's probably 20 bags of fluid hanging up on an IV pole and alarms going all around you and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's crazy. But one night I woke up and sat up in the bed and said, Lord, please take this. Take this weight off me. And I got up, I stood up. I was fed up trying to fight the battle myself, I guess you could say. And ever since I did that, I've gotten stronger. The, the prayers 
from this church. Um, somebody reposted the prayer of the hands over me. It was like a tower of hands over me and my wife praying for us to, to get through this journey. You know, service has, is ending. Pastor Brandon's wrapping up on everything he's doing. And then he walks on stage and like stops the music and is like, you know, everyone, let's just lay a hand on Ronald. We all prayed over him and um, it was incredible. So, so powerful. But it's just amazing to see my parents here at the church worshiping alongside of me because for the longest um, it was just myself and um, it's great to get them connected to the church that loves me so much and for them to come in and feel so loved even when they weren't even, they weren't attending like I was. As a couple, as a family, never really went to church. He would take the kids to, you know, this church or that church every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Usually I would work on Sundays. Um, I think for me, um, I've always believed in God. I've always believed in Jesus, like I said before. Never really had a church. Um, went to church when I was little, none of that, but but now I, you know, it's gonna be nice starting a new relationship with Jesus because I haven't had a relationship in the past with him. So I'll see where the journey takes me and I know the church will help me with that and small groups with Miss um, Beth um, will help me with that. And you know, it's I guess it's just never too late. I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm older, I'm a grandma. He's, you know, why bother? But now I know why because of what, you know, what happened with Ron and, you know, what I felt while we were in the hospital room together and the calm and the peace that he gave me while we went through this, so. Through my group leaders and um, pastor at the church just praying for me so faithfully and for my dad, that's when I was shown that, you know, God will do it, it's on his time. It's, you know, it's right, it's always on God's time. It may not be, you know, when we wanted it, because we wanted it two years ago, but it wouldn't have been the perfect heart. Jesus is my savior. He, he's the one I, I spoke to in the middle of the night when I was down in, and had no understanding which way my life was gonna go. I prayed to him and I asked him, to help me through this and he answered and I'm here this is my second chance in life one of the reasons why I want to get baptized is because of my past was a little flaky but also to honor God my wife myself my kids and the donor that helped me through this journey that I'm at now um, is the biggest thing in the power of prayer. I want to honor the power, the power of prayer as well, because without that, I wouldn't be here praying to the Lord. I, I was on his journey with him for 23 years. You know, I'm willing to go on this journey with him, with God. You know, join some groups and, you know, the church has already made us feel like family. So yeah, I'd be willing to go on the journey with you. I love you too.